I want to, before I start um, my message, I want to give a big hand to uh, Ms. Kim Jacobo and also for Ruth West for them filling the pulpit last week. Did they do a great job? Good job, Kim. It was wonderful. Um, Has anyone in here ever had a wellness check? Just raise your hand if you have. Yeah. Man, you guys are health conscious uh, people. A lot more than second service. We'll see how second service does. Uh, You go and you get your blood work done. You make sure that everything is okay. Uh, It has to do with your physical welfare. How about anybody in here, do you go every six months, at least every six months, and you have a a dental uh, cleaning for sure? Uh, if, you, if you're going like this, go do it, please. Go, go have a, get, get the plaque out of there and get a little bit of, it's good for you, orally, right? So it's, it's, it's wellness, health. Uh, how many of you ever do a review with your finances? Anyone ever reconcile their checkbooks? Or they're not checkbooks anymore, but reconcile some kind of an account? And, uh, you know, the, the ones that, that do are like, amen, and the ones that don't ever think about it are like, uh, what is that? But I want you to think about optimum health. How do we enhance or ensure that we have optimum health in our lives to the best that, that we have control over? That's what a wellness check is, is all about. Uh, today, I want to talk about financial stewardship, and I want to just kind of bring this message in between uh, a, a series that I'll be starting on the, on the letter from Paul to the Colossians. And that's going to be a wonderful, wonderful series that we're going to be starting. Eight weeks in Colossians starts next week. And the, the whole theme of it is that Christ is enough. He's enough. He's everything you need, right? But in between that series and what we just completed, uh, this, this last series that I did, I want to talk about uh, financial stewardship today and how do we handle our finances? Why am I doing this? Because we are five months into the year and everyone at the start of the year will say something like, I want to get my health in order, my, my physical health. I'm going to eat better. Anyone eat better during these last five months? Raise your hand. You know, you might have said, I, I want to get my finances in order. Anyone ever said that? You know, I, I want to I I be able to get that in order. It, those are good things to, to, to look at. And at, at Living Word Chapel, we, uh, we're, we're big on this. And it's been progressive. I, I think the more that you grow in the Lord, the more that you care about things that matter to Him. And there's, there's scripture that goes with our physical health. Health. Uh, uh, it says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And it's holy and acceptable to God. So, so there, whenever Pastor James begins to tie his shoes and he has to take a breath, I know that I need to consider my body as a living sacrifice and bring it before God and do some differences. And I, and I do that periodically. And, and then also with, with my financial health, you know, God has used things, events, circumstances in my life, in Shauna's life, to, to, to lead us to the reality that, that, that God's uh, stewardship matters to him. The way that I steward his, his finances matter to him. 
And, and when we do that, it enables us to do what we could never do without him. Because would you agree with me that God is a generous God? That's the whole thrust. So with this series, um, we are going to begin on the, starting the first Sunday in June, and this may be speaking to somebody, um, because if you, if, you, if you don't have good physical health, you need to do something about it. You need to walk a little bit. You need to exercise. You need to you know, eat uh, uh, better. Uh, and, and, it, and believe me, when, when, when I do that, when I do that, when, when, I, when I eat better, my mental focus is better. My, the, the, just my, my, my energy is better and all the things that, uh, that, that are needed in my life are better. So I have to take a step to take the initiative to, to do those things. Now, financial health, we know what happens whenever our finances are in order. You're able to, first of all, sleep better at night because you don't know how you're, you, you're not thinking about how am I going to pay the bills that I have. And, and not only that, you don't, you don't do sporadic spending and, and you don't do the things that put you in a place where your life is hindered because of, of, of your money being uh, out of control or the handling of your money being out of control. But, but the greatest thing in, in my life and, and Shauna's life, the greatest thing that has happened since we have taken the steps necessary to get our finances in order is that we're able to be more, more generous. And there's nothing like the feeling of being able to be more generous, either, either helping individuals or helping in the local church. It's a great feeling. So because that it's important, um, there are, there's a couple that, that we came into contact with in the last, in the last year, and uh, the, the, the husband's name is Steve, and, and the wife's name is Neela uh, Rybicki, and, and they've worked alongside of Crown Financial with Larry Burkett. Anyone heard of Crown, Crown Financial? So they've done extensive work. Before Dave Ramsey came on, uh, Crown Financial was the big stewardship uh, uh, ministry. And so they, uh, they came and they, we, we had meetings together. And, and, and so we're going to offer, starting the first Sunday in June, for six weeks, we're going to offer a, a financial budget workshop. And it's free. And that's incredible that we're able to, to do that. And the reason we're offering that is because when your finances are healthy, your marriage is better. When, you're, when your marriage is better, your family is better. When your finances are better, you're able to be more generous. And healthy churches are made up of generous people. Healthy churches that have a culture of generosity, they strive to make a positive difference in their, in their world. So we were, yesterday I went to uh, the Copper Corridor campus and, and they textured, they textured all the, 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 the coffee shop, all the cafe, the whole thing. And, and as, as, as I'm walking into to, uh, to the building, the neighbor across the street says, man, all the work that you guys are doing, that's awesome. See, there's a perk of interest that's beginning to happen in the community because things are being done. A stagnant church doesn't move the hearts of people. But a church that's on the move, it's amazing how people begin to ask questions. They're inquisitive about what's going on. And guess what happens after that? They might come in for a cup of coffee and find Jesus. 
See, in my neighborhood, in my barrio, they'd come in for a burrito and find Jesus. But whatever God leads us to do, it, it comes with, with us desiring to move in his attributes and to be the generous people that God has called us to be because that's what healthy churches do. And it's not necessarily because of the dollar amount, but it's Jesus working through your generosity. And it's my goal to continually take the necessary steps to make myself and Shauna financial healthy and to model generosity. In fact, one of the things that Shauna talked to me about the other day and as we're talking about this subject, I think it's important. You know, she said, babe, we, we need to, we need to make, take some hard steps to get ourselves set up with, with, you know, not only our emergency fund, but with the things necessary so that we're not bound in any way to, to what's going on in our world. Because let me tell you that the finances in the world are going to go up and down. But your stewardship doesn't have to. Are you with me? Your dependency cannot be on, the, uh, on, on what's happening in this world. Your dependency has to be on God. Are you with me? And, and when you understand that, and we're going we're gonna to look at that from Scripture, when you understand that, it, it changes your whole perspective. Because you can't outgive God. I don't, care what, I don't care what the interest rate is. You cannot outgive God. Amen? The Bible is true, and it says that, that, that our father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything, and, and so what happens to us is, is we have this tension, and we all have it, this tension where, where money pulls us, and the love of God pulls us, the trust of God, right? And, and so we're, we're in between these two, and, 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 and whether you call your, your, the way that you give, whether you call it tithing, which is uh, very, old, very, it's modeled in the Old Testament, or you call your giving grace giving, which is what I call my, my generosity. I, I, I'm not limited to a tithe. I'm not, I'm not under the law. I'm under the grace of God. And so I'm not under a percent. I'm under the hand of the Almighty. I'm free from all that. But, but what, whatever it is, you cannot grow as a Christian until you are set free to be generous with the material blessings that God gives to you. And I don't know about you, but what I found in my life, even before God, and especially walking with God, is that God has been faithful to provide my monetary income all of my life. I have worked since I was 18 years old. I went to the mine and worked 19. I was 19 when I went and worked there. Summer help and I never left until, they, until I got called into ministry. And so, and so God provided every single you know, pay period. He provided, he provided, he provided, he provided. And that's the God that we serve. He provides, but you gotta take initiative. If there's something we need to teach our kids, it's take initiative. Nothing's given to you. You've got to work. Amen? We, we live in an age of entitlement when everybody, they want everything free. Life is not free. Salvation is free, but it cost my Savior his life. I'm preaching now. But, but Paul, writing, writing to the church in Corinth, he said this. He says, because see, you need to give back with joy. God wants you to give 
back with joy. Paul writing to the church in Corinth, he said this in, in, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 7. Each one must give as he or she has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful, a cheerful what? A giver. This is God's word. Now, now here's the deal. I, I've had conversations and someone that, that, that came in recently to, to, to LWC, they led in the church in another place and they said, Pastor, you never talk about money. And, and I was like, oh, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And, and then I might have other people that might say, all he does is talk about money. I, I don't know. But, but what does God's word say about what we do with his money, his generosity, and what I find is that when you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, is it teaches me that giving and generosity is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. In another place, we, we see Jesus saying, where your heart is that, is, that is where your treasure will be, or where your treasure is, that is where your heart's going to be. You know, you can interchange it, but that's the reality. It's a heart issue. So I want us to go in our Bibles, because that's, that's our guide. I want us to go to our Bibles in for, to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And before Paul finishes this very instrumental letter to his, who, the, the, the person that he's mentoring, the young pastor Timothy, in chapter 6, uh, he, he, he says something about Money, money, money. I was going to say mammon. Money. It's crazy to me because what we did right now was the, were the instructions that Timothy uh, received from Paul about elders and, and raising up elders and how you find elders. So that's a model. He talked about them. He also said in the last days, this is what's going to happen, Timothy. You're going to have to recognize this. People are going to become lovers of money. They're going to be, you know, uh, they're going to be, you know, all these different attributes he goes into that. But then at the very end, in chapter 6, verse 17 and not, uh, through 19, he says this. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their, can say this with me, in their what? In their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our misery. No, no, for our enjoyment. So you need to know that God does want you to have an abundant life. He, he wants for you to walk in the joy that he provides. Verse 18, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. And that's exactly what Shauna was saying. There's an eternal, there's an eternal lens that, that children of God have. And that is that there are, there are greater treasures than what we could ever find here on earth. And the greatest treasure is to, for us to be able to bring people with us to the eternal kingdom. To bring our neighbors, our family, our relatives to Jesus. And the way that that happens, beloved, in, in, a, in a lot of capacities is through generosity. It's through being charitable. 
And, and charity, charity doesn't only come with monetary things. It also comes with action. It comes with serving. If there's something I'm praying for as we, as we move forward at the Copper Corridor campus is that people will become more active. That people begin to serve with their hands and their feet. And that it will not be the pastor and the leaders doing all the work. We were never called to do all the work. A, a church where the pastor does all the work is a church that's going to fail. Because the pastor is going to die exhausted. But a church that has a community of people that are on the same page, making a difference for the glory of God, and they're charitable, not only with their, with their treasure, but with their talents, with their time, you find great things happen. So here's a checklist. I'm gonna, I, put, I put four things together that I think will help us uh, as, we, as we think about being, being those people that are generous with what God has blessed us with. Here's the first one. Learn to trust God more than your money. When you hold on to your money, a lot of times it's because you trust your money more than God. When you, when you don't let go of the financial blessings of God, it's because you trust that money more than you trust God. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust their money because it is very unreliable. If you were born in the USA, if you live in the USA, you are wealthier than 99% of most people in the world. Anyone ever go to the fridge, refrigerator, and you open it, and you do this? Most people can't do that. Most people look in the fridge and they say, okay, that's all we got. I was looking at uh, uh, Sophie.com, and it's a financial-based uh, uh, company. It says the average income in 2022 in America was 60575 while the, the medium salary was 56420 This This doesn't happen in, in every place in the world. And according to the majority of the world... That would be a lot of money. Amen? Let, let, me, let me say this. This is important. Sean and I, God has blessed us. And we, we, have, we, have, we have this income that God has given to us that uh, I'm very, I'll be happy to tell you exactly what we make uh, if you come and talk to me. It's not a lot of money. In, in, in the perspective of, of what a lot of people might make. But here's what I know for sure, that God has blessed us with every single dollar that comes into our life. It's like his blessing is on it. And, and we are very thankful for what we, what we make. We were thankful for what God has entrusted us with because in that thankfulness, he produces something in our heart. But I'll tell you something, beloved. I'll tell you this, and this is vital, that God has taught me is that I trust him more than I trust money. Maybe it's because I worked in an in underground mine that they shut it overnight. 
that everyone that was trusting in that mind to be their source and substance, a lot of them went into major depression and some of them wanted to take their lives because they thought that was the end of the world. Can I tell you something? It doesn't matter what happens in this world. If you have Jesus Christ, you're in good hands. And, and, and if you trust him more than all the financial blessings that you have, you will find that he will never, ever, ever let you down. Notice what Paul says to Timothy. Teach the people. Teach them what? Teach them to trust God more than your money. Because the biggest temptation of mankind is to trust your wealth. If I, if I have more and more and more, then I'm safe, then I'm secure, then I'm golden. But, but let me teach you something. Your safety is not in your money. The, 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 the psalmist put it like this. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. Here's another thing I want you to learn. Your security is not in your wealth. The, the writer of Proverbs put it like this, chapter 3, verse 25 through 27. You need not be afraid of sudden disaster or the destruction that comes upon the wicked. For the Lord is your security. He will, he will keep your foot from being caught in a trap. Do not, with, and I love this, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. So somehow, in, in finding the security of God, what you find is because God takes care of you, you can be a part of taking care of others. And I'm, I'm a firm believer that if you're an open-hand follower of God, when you open up your hand and you say, Lord, thank you for your blessing, thank you for your blessing, when you open your hand and you keep giving it away and you keep giving it away and you use wisdom and you manage your money in a, in a way that there's wisdom and you, you save some and you, you put it away in, in different ways that, that God is directing you to do, that you open up your hand and he continues to let those blessings flow through you. But if you're this kind of a person where you're a close-handed uh, uh, follower of God, and every, this is mine, this is mine, I'm not going to let anyone take it, then how can God pour into your hand when you're a closed-handed follower of Christ? Your wealth is one of the greatest ways to help people. And, and, and here's what I want for us to think about. See, I could be talking to everybody in first service and, and every single one of you are, you guys are, your heart is so generous and you, you open up your lives and your finances to the Lord. Or I could be talking to some of you that you have a real hard time, especially right now that I'm talking about money. Your money. So we think it's our money. But can I tell you, every funeral that I do, nobody takes anything with them. And every baby that's born, they don't bring nothing into the world. So, so we find the, the, the second checklist is learn to trust God, not only more than your wealth, but learn to trust God with your wealth. Don't, don't let the love of money and its impulse spending lead your decisions. And if there's something that, that, that really hurt 
Shauna and I, as we grew, not only matured as, as individuals and as a couple, but impulse spending destroys people. Learn to trust God with all the blessings that he has bestowed on you. And it's crazy how, how the Bible is filled with, with money uh, uh, teaching and, and also financial suggestions and directions. It's filled with it. In fact, one of the places where the Lord is correcting me, and, and, and I'm receiving this correction, because here's, here's where James Reese was for years, because I was so turned off by, by a, a teaching of, of, of the prosperity gospel and things like that, I, I, I said to myself, I never want to be that person. I never want people to, to come into a place and then feel like all, all we want is your money and, 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 and teach this false teaching that, you know, if you give, then when you give, you're going to give and, and, and a tenfold or, or sixtyfold or a hundredfold is going to come back to you. That's not what the word of God says. We give because he's worthy. But I was so turned off by that that I said, you know, I don't want to talk about giving. I don't even want us to pick up an offering. We're, we're going to put, uh, you know, boxes in the back and, and we'll tell people, you know, if you want to give, you know, you, you put in the, in, 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 you know, go to the back and there's a, there's a box. And we would say it every once in a while. And, and here's where the Lord convicted me. He convicted me because giving is a part of worship. And, and when, you stop, when you stop teaching, that's what Paul said, teach the rich people. And I'm rich. I'm rich. Maybe not comparative to you, but I'm rich com in comparison to a lot of people in this world. And I have to learn what does God say. And he says, teach the, the, the rich people, teach the wealthy people that generosity is who I am. And when you give, you worship God. And think if we were teaching our kids and, our, and, and those in children's church and, and, and those that are you know, growing up in teenagers that, that when you give, it's, it's actually a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful blessing because you're actually worshiping God. So guess what's going to happen? Not because of you. Not because of second service. Not because of the Kearney, uh, the copper corridor, but I'm convicted that we're going to start taking offerings. And I just think it's going to be a blessing because people are going to, you know, we're going to see that that's important. Amen? See, what, what I find in, in the Old Testament, it's filled with a narrative of God speaking to his people and he instructs them to give 10% a tithe to his purposes. And this is where we learn to release ownership and move into stewardship. Ownership is the belief that everything is yours. Stewardship is the knowledge that everything is God's and he puts material blessings in our life to leverage his goodness. We, we begin to trust God more than our money because we know that it's not ours. We begin to realize that, that everything is a gift from God. For me to be able to lift my arms, that's a gift from God. For me to be able to do this, that's a gift from God. For me to be able to go, 
That's a gift from God. There will be a day in the life of James Reese when this gift will be gone. And I will breathe my last in this life. And I'll be in the presence of the Almighty. But it's a gift. And if we can look at our stewardship in that way, that everything is God's, everything is. Lord, this is not mine. What you gave me at, at, at Magma Copper, Lord, that was, that was a gift from you. You gave me the job. You, you gave me the ability to become a contract miner. You gave me the ability to become a supervisor. That was all you, Lord. You gave me the ability to be a blessing to, to so many people. That's because of you, Lord. And, and every one of you have a different platform that God has placed you. For Dan, it was to be a journalist. For Karen, it was to be an accountant. For Shirley, it was for her to go to New York and buy all kinds of, uh, of, of uh, uh, bling, bling, bling. In New York City. That's all a gift from God. And what, what I do with my earthly blessings will determine my trust. Timothy says their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need so that we could have a life filled with joy. Amen? Don't miss that. God doesn't want you to live in misery. But holding on to his blessings is misery in my, in my estimation. And we should walk this out, Right? God doesn't want us to be miserable. Here, here's um, Proverbs uh, ten sixteen puts it like this. The earnings of the godly enhance their lives, but evil people squander their money on sin. Woo! The earnings of the godly enhance their lives, but evil people squander their money on sin. I, I, I've settled this, that... Um, not only does, does, does God enhance my life and, and my wife's life and we're able to be a blessing, uh, not only to my children and my grandchildren, which we love doing that, but we're able to be a blessing to other people. So you enhance not only your life, but the lives of others. And what I've also come to find out is that money doesn't bring happiness. God does. So you can be a person with money and be miserable and you can be a person without money and be miserable because God is absent from your life. And you can be a, a, a person that's, that, that has the joy of God and have money or you can be a person that doesn't have as much money as others but you've got the joy of the Lord. Can I tell you? Because you've won the prize. That's Jesus Christ. And he's the one that does and gives what we need. Here's the third thing. Learn to be generous in the things that are important to God. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, make sure that they learn that they should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. And to be rich in good works goes past the possession of any dollar amount that you may have. It leads us to use the blessings of God for the purposes of God. And a church that is rich in good works 
is a sweet, pleasant aroma to the nostrils of the Almighty God in heaven. And God notices in the, in the, the, in the revelation, Jesus talking to the church, to the church at Thyatira, he says, I know all the things that you do. I've seen your love, I've seen your faith, your service, and your patient endurance. I can see your constant improvement in all of these things. You see, we, we want to be a church that is rich in good works, that is filled with individuals that are, that are rich in good works, who understand that their financial blessings are a gift from God, who understand that their, their physical capacities and abilities are a gift from God. Let me say something that's vital. We prayed over these individuals, not so that everyone could say, woohoo, they're elders, woohoo, they're deacons, woohoo, they've got this gold mantle, they've got this silver mantle. It's not for that, it's for them to put their legs into action, their feet into their hands into action, for them to do the purposes of God. That's a recognition of God. Amen? So if you're serving as a deacon, if you're serving as an elder, if you're serving as any kind of a minister, you are serving for the glory of God. But here's the important thing. You are what? You are serving. He says, be, be, be champions of good works. Be champions of things that are going to make the world a better place. What, what are some things that are important to Jesus? Let's think about that. How about an education that leads to a true knowledge of God? I, I, I may get in trouble. I may get some emails before saying this, but I'm going to say it. My, my daughter calls me the other day. My daughter's going, it, she's in education. And she says, Dad, they want, they want us to teach this. They, they want, and she tells me what, what the subject is. And I said, that's not education, Cassie. Education is, is, uh, is language. Education is, is arithmetic. In, education is geology. Education is, is, is physical. You can have physical education. Education is, uh, uh, you know, uh, algebra. That's education. But what, you're, what they want you to teach is ideology. That's what, that, that needs to come from the parents. If the parents want them to know that, that comes from them, not from the school. So what are we doing? So we, we're either going to stand and, and do nothing at all. Or we're going to say, let's, all, let's put our efforts together. And if we can just teach one child that, they, that their purpose in life is for them to have a relationship with the Almighty God and that he knows what's best for them and he's not confused about their gender. Email. And I'm speaking tonight at Ray High School. The same message. Because let me tell you something, beloved. We want to be a, we want to be a light for Jesus. What's important to Christ? Uh, it's a place where people can worship. A, a, a place where people can find their gifting. A, a place where they can be filled. This is, this is not the end, right? This is just the beginning. You get filled with the things of God so you can go out and make a difference in your world. Pastor, I can't make a difference in the golf course. Yes, you can. Just ask the Lord for forgiveness for that bad shot you hit. <laughs> Pastor, I can't make a difference on the pickleball court. Yes, you can. Quit talking to your opponent the way you're talking to him. 
Pastor, I can't make a difference in jiu-jitsu. Yes, you can. When you put them in a the headlock, just tell them they need Jesus. <laughs> Pastor, I can't, I can't make a difference hunting. I can't, you know, and, and, and fly fishing. Yes, you can. Every time you catch that 20-inch trout, you say it's because of Jesus right here. He made me a fisher of fish, but I'm also a fisher of men. You need Jesus too. Come over here. Let me talk to you. You see, God, God's word, and this is what we're, we're going to hold on to, God's word will always build a culture where we understand the generosity of God cannot be outdone. Are you with me? When I breathe my last, if the Lord tarries, God's work will still be going forward because it's not dependent on me. He invites me into it, but it's not dependent on me. I, I can invite you into it. See, so when, when you feel uncomfortable, you know, when you start doing the cumbia because I'm stuck talking about your money, it ain't your money. The, the reality, all I can do is just put that on your lap and then you're going to do with it with what, you, what you're going to do with it. Right? Let's, let's just think about how much time do I have, by the way? I think I've gone a little bit over. Am I okay with time? I'm going to wrap it up in about 10 minutes. Think with me, what do, we, what do we do when we're giving to the work of God? What are we supporting? How about outreach? The salvation of friends, family, neighbors. How about discipleship? Growing people up in the things of God. Growing people and shaping them to be like Jesus. How about missions? I mean, where would, he, where would we be if, if, if Brent you know, didn't talk the way he did? Reaching people across the country and across the world. How about service? Not only serving our church, but serving our neighbors and people across the world. People don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. That's what we do. How about staffing? A church that values staffing will not let the best people go into the secular workplace. Hear me now. Churches that get it say, we're not going to let the best people go into the secular workplace. We're going to grab a hold of them, and we're going to give them an income. And this is what generosity does. We're going to give them an income that will keep them doing the work of God so that they can pour into our families and our children, and they become better. We should have the best uh, children's directors, we should, and we do. And we do. We should have the best uh, uh, student directors. We should have the best, the best, the best, the best, the best for the glory of God. Are you with me? I, I was reading in, in Ezra the other day, and I'm going to close with this. And we see that, that, that the, the, this, this non-believing king, Artaxerxes, that he was moved by God to fund the rebuilding of the temple. And this is what it says in Ezra chapter 7, verse 21. I, Artaxerxes the king, hereby send this decree to all the treasures in the province west of the Euphrates River. You are to give Ezra, the priest and teacher of the law of God of heaven, whatever he requests of you. This is a pagan king. And then Ezra 
In verse 27, he replies, he says, he prays to God. He says, praise the Lord, the God of our ancestors, who made the king want to beautify the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem and praise him for demonstrating such unfailing love to me by honoring me before the king, his council, and his mighty nobles. I felt encouraged because of the gracious hand of the Lord. My God was on me. Now, here's my takeaway, because as I read that, this past week in the morning as I read it, I, this is my, my sentiment with God as I'm, as I'm looking and I'm talking to the Lord. I'm saying, Lord, Lord, I don't ever want for an unbeliever to outgive me. I don't ever want for the world to try to support the work of God. I want to champion that myself. Are you with me? Let me tell you something. That your father and my father, if you're a child of God, he owns everything. Do you not think that he sees what's going on in our world and wants to do something about it? Do we have the courage to stand up and do something about it? Do we have the faith to believe that he will provide so that we can do something about it? Do we have the heart to care enough to put him first in everything that we have and everything that he's given to us so that he will be the primary, most important entity in our life? Because if you do, your whole world will change and you have the ability to change the world for the glory of God. Don't wait for the next generation. Let's be the generation that brings change for the glory of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your generosity, Lord God. Let us be a people that are generous. Let us be a people that put you first, Lord God. Let every harvest, everything that you bring into our lives, let us put you first. And when we do that, Lord God, we know that you will bless it and bless us. As we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Steve.